If you do have your booklets there uh, with you, if you have your e-booklets or your physical booklets, you've probably seen that uh, today we have a guest speaker for WinterCon. So he is sitting at the front. Uh, his name is James Fong. He's a Christian counselor who should be familiar to people, I guess, who have been at New Life for a little while. Um, he actually came and guest spoke for us a few times uh, before I came, actually. And so he's, you know, he's my he's my son bit. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask him to come up in a moment. He's actually come with his daughter, Zoe. Um, do get questions ready for him if you do end up with any questions. You know, perhaps as he's speaking, um, write some questions down. He'll stick around with us at the conclusion of the service for about 15 minutes. And so do have your questions ready. Um, don't wait until like 14 minutes, but just run up and grab hold of him and ask all your questions uh, at the end of the service. Um, but I will do the scripture reading for him and I'll uh, invite him up. So the scripture reading today comes from Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 35. And that's not going to be on screen, so do follow along in your Bibles. Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 35. Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 35, I'll be reading from the CSB. His mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, Look, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, Who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Amen. Let me pray for us as I invite uh, James up to speak for us. Uh, Father, it's been an amazing time here at WinterCon, born of God, where we've gotten to explore what it means to be your son, your daughter, adopted into your family, living out our new identity as family members of the living God. And we want that to continue on. We want to explore what it means to be your mother, your brother, your sister, We want to know what it means to be your family. Would you be with us, God? Would you speak to us and illuminate this word to our hearts? Would you speak through James powerfully, Lord, clearly, and help us, Lord, as we uh, inspect what it means to be your family members, what mental health looks like from a Christian perspective. Speak to us loud and clear and help us, Lord, to love you and understand you through it. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, can we give a warm welcome to James? Thanks, Pastor Young. It's great to see you all this morning. Good morning, New Life. You know what you guys sound like? Very tired. Put your hand up if you're exhausted right now. Now, let's be honest, name the elephant in the room. Who prefers this talk to be a bit shorter? Oh, you're too polite. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, it is a, a privilege to be speaking to you today about mental health. I think last time I was speaking at New Life, I was talking to cameras for Facebook live stream. So it's nice to see humans, not socially distancing. And this is a real privilege, isn't it? That's the great blessing of COVID restrictions. It's made us just really love and appreciate each other more. This is a gift. Being together. Let's pray as we um, (coughs) discuss.
discuss this important topic. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll be with us and uh, strengthen us. Please comfort us and convict us by your word. And also to think through how we can wrestle with mental health um, in our own lives and to support our friends and family and surrender all parts of our life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. A recent National Church Life Survey uh, report showed that Australians most commonly experience depression, bipolar, and anxiety disorder. Statistics show that one in five Aussies experience a mental or behavioural condition. Now let's just meditate on that stat for a sec. That's five million Aussies. These stats have also increased by 1 million persons in Australia from 2013 to 2016, and even more so over the last few years, with research findings showing increased psychological distress in society during the pandemic. Now, we didn't need to see research to actually see it anecdotally in our life. We've all been under the pump, particularly over the last few years. According to the survey, one in four Australian teenagers report they've engaged in self-harm. In Australia, a staggering 20% of teenage girls aged 16 to 17 meet the criteria for clinical depression. The top three pastoral needs in the church identified by leaders are faith, which is about 57%, mental health, 52%, and physical health, 50%. The issues of greatest concerns to young Australians are stress and anxiety, school and study, body image, and depression. The survey also showed that churches feel inadequate, inadequately equipped for pastoral care and counselling. And I'm guessing that this is why Pastor Young asked me as a Christian counsellor a month ago to speak this morning about mental health touching on the theme of being a child of God. Now, to be honest and transparent with you all, as I started to prepare for this big topic, ironically, I started to get some mental health issues of depression and anxiety, trying to wrap my head around what exactly I'm meant to be talking about today. <laughs> so today's talk is not going to be an expository uh, sermon as, as much as it galls me as um, SNBC graduate, but I will cover three areas with Bible references. So it'll be more topical and I'll still whack in a bit of expository because I can't help myself. Firstly, I'll share some of my mental health story as part of my journey as a child of God. Why? Well, there's no point for me to encourage you guys to talk about your mental health issues if I'm not willing to do it. So uh, I guess that's one of my core beliefs. I don't have a right to preach unless I'm willing to do it myself. Secondly, explore some mental health aspects that can affect how we see ourselves as a child of God. And finally, I'll give you some practical mental health tools to help us live as children of God. So firstly, I'll share some of my mental health story as part of my journey as a child of God. Uh, back towards the end of 2006, I was working for Anglican Youth Works, one of my uh, leaders that I used to work with on camps, needed somebody to be interviewed about having struggled as a Christian man with depression. Now, there weren't many people who were willing to put their hand up, which I thought was quite interesting. 
But I think we all know why people don't want to talk about their own mental health problems. What is it? scared and it rhymes with blame and it starts with shame shame and stigma but I'm a compulsive caregiver and uh, <coughs> I have tendencies that way and this guy uh, I knew his younger sister whom I actually taught at a camp and unfortunately she had committed suicide earlier that year and I wanted to just back up on my brother and to share my story and to be real I grew up in a Presbyterian family, not so much just Presbyterian. My dad was a Prezi minister, so I was born into the Westminster Confession, went through all the classes. Chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Learn it from, like, the creche up. It's like womb to tomb stuff. Um, I've got three older sisters. They're 17, 15, 11 years older than me, so there's a massive age gap. My mum had me when she was 46, so I often tell people I'm a whoopsie baby, but my mum would say, nay. I said, that's menopausal, baby. She said, no, you're a gift and blessing from God. And I went, sure. <laughs> that's why you tied the tube straight after. <laughs> <laughs> too much, too much. Why, Lord, give me this thing. <laughs> On a serious note, when my mom was pregnant with me, the doctor said, I'm sorry, Mrs. Fong, you've got a tumour. And then... Um, a few months later, the doctor said, I'm so sorry, you're actually pregnant. So my mental health issues happened from the womb. I was already misunderstood as cancerous. I wasn't even benign. Uh, and what made it worse is mum would constantly repeat this story to me growing up. When I hit nine, my dad unfortunately passed away suddenly. And uh, being a son of a minister was quite hard because not only did I have to deal with um, the childhood trauma of, of a dad dying suddenly, but I also had to deal with grieving in public in a church context. And in my family culture, because we're a ministry family, it's all about serving, presenting as strong so we can encourage people. But I think in all Asian homes, we want to present from a position of strength and not show vulnerabilities so often my grieving was like swept under the carpet or it was just <coughs> coffee plunge like <coughs> deep within and then it manifested unfortunately as depression for about 21 years from nine till I was about 30 so I just did what all classic Asians do we suck it up princess and we just bury that pain deep within and uh, we just secretly self-hate but still continue life I went to Fort Street Selective High School. That was another point of pain because <laughs> if you're only average smart, you feel dumb. Uh, <laughs> but I went to a very um, pagan high school and they were so much against Christianity that it actually encouraged me to think, hey, I think it's true. And it forced me to think through why I believe what I believed. So even though I was beginning to struggle with severe mental health issues internally, Everyone was busy trying to study. I was trying to work out what's the meaning of life. But my niece died when I was 20 in my first year of Bible college. And all my unresolved grief about my father's death came to the fore, as well as the uh, death of my niece. She was 14. And then I couldn't move. In my first year at college, I was laying there in bed, 
catatonic, and I did what no Asian would ever want to experience, our greatest fear. I failed. I failed in my first year at Bible college. I shared this with a teenage client trying to comfort her yesterday, and she went, really? You failed? Is that possible to fail at Bible college? Which made me feel quite worse, actually. <laughs> she went, I didn't know you can do that. You're amazing, yeah. Anyway, <coughs> my sister's a GP, and she forced my hand, and she said, if you don't see a psychiatrist, you'll get scheduled. Now, ethically, my sister can't do that, but I didn't know that at the time. And the whole AMP thing that I have, the Asian male pride, so it was very difficult for me to overcome my AMP shares. But uh, <coughs> I ended up going, and I started antidepressants, then I had to think through, how do I do this as a Christian? Am I, am I lacking in faith if I take antidepressants? But I realised, well, if you've got asthma, you take Ventolin. If you're emotionally depressed and you find it hard to breathe, you take antidepressants so you can breathe easier. Unfortunately, in my case, and this isn't the case for everyone, but taking the antidepressants didn't actually help me until many years later when I was more correctly diagnosed. At the time, I was diagnosed with primarily major depression. Then they misunderstood it as bipolar, uh, which was wrong. Um, and then I diagnosed myself with ADHD, and I was uh, found, did all the battery of tests and found out I actually have that. So people just thought I had a quirky personality. Now we know it's just a learning disorder with a bit of exuberance. Okay. <laughs> now, why am I saying all this? Because these are the kinds of things that we don't want to talk about. But I just want to normalise it for you all. It's not easy. It's not easy living in any family, let alone an Asian family. We grow up in families of functionality, performance-based self-worth. We're not taught emotional skills, how to calm ourselves down, how to attend to our feelings. What we are taught is how to dismiss ourselves, suck it up, move on but what it does is it damages us internally and skews the way we see life and the way we see God so I just want to encourage you today um, and, and I'll talk about it more towards the end that if you know deep inside your heart that part of yourself that you've been blocking and ignoring and saying no nah, I'm alright if I think of the children in Africa I'm much better off, so I can't really attend to my issues, which is the classic go-to move. The Africa speech is what <laughs> keeps us from ignoring ourselves. Or the, the, migrant, the migrant speech we get from our parents. When we get, Mom, I'm doing it tough. You think you've done it tough. You know how hard it was for me when I was growing. You've got it easy. You're soft. And then we just grow up thinking, I'm soft. I'm soft because I didn't grow up in Africa and because I didn't move to Australia with no family support and that's why I have to keep ignoring myself. Okay, that's enough of my own pain. I <laughs> uh, thought it would be helpful now to turn to our second point which is to explore some mental health aspects that can affect how we see ourselves as a child of God. Now I'd like to ask someone whose name rhymes with Moe and starts with my daughter Zoe. Can you please come up and give Zoe a hand here. She's... She's taking one for the Fong team here. Oh. Zoe's wearing a mask to, um, not because of COVID, but she doesn't want to be seen, so that's cool. Okay, Zoe, do you mind taking the flipboard? So this is what, what I pretty much do in my first session. Um, I ask people, um, pretend that flipboard symbolises the issue or mental health problem or something that 
you know, you're finding really difficult at the moment. And then I'll ask Zoe now, can you please lift up the, lift, uh, the flipboard and put it to your face? All right, can you move your chair around so it's face towards you? <laughs> Not towards me, this way. All right, Zoe, I'm going to ask you, can you see me? No. No. What can you see? You can't see anything. All right, well, you're looking at the flipboard. Yeah. Uh, can you see anything out of the corner of your eyes? No. Okay, so the reason why I do that is because that symbolizes hyperfocus. So often when we have problems, we get so zoned in on what's bothering us that we can't see the person sitting in front of us. Have you ever had that situation when someone's talking to you and you're, you're worried about work or you're worried about an exam or you're worried about your own kids and then and you go, hey, how are you going, uh, Chun-Li? And she's like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, it's because we do the hyperfocus. Okay, second thing, Zoe, if you wouldn't mind standing up. So that's called experiential avoidance. And what happens is when we don't like stuff to deal with and we don't want to cope, we can often just go, I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to watch K-drama instead. Or I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to work really, really hard and hopefully my problems will just go away. Or I'm going to distract myself on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, porn, alcohol, anything that's going to distract me from dealing with this or sleep a lot. And when people come to see me for counselling, they go, James, I don't know why I slept 16 hours and I'm still tired. And it's because of this, experiential avoidance. We lose a lot of emotional and mental energy from trying to push it away. But the third approach is to just put the flipboard on the lap. Let me ask you, Zoe, is the problem still there? Yes. Can you see me? You can see me. Can you name three to five things that you can see around the room? And here right now, microphone, chair, people. Okay, so this one is called acceptance. And with acceptance, we still have problems in our life, but we're more present. We're not only looking at the problem, we're actually seeing good things around us as well. And Philippians 4, chapter 11, gives Zoe a big hand, everybody. With acceptance, we notice that we're not pushing the problem away, so our hands are actually freed up to commit to our values. And part of counselling, or the way I do it as a Christian counsellor, is to help us to work through what does it mean for us to accept difficult things in our life, but also to commit to our values, our kingdom values, what's important, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength, um, to love one another as, as ourself, and to realise, look, at the end of the day, the Apostle Paul calls this in Philippians 4, verse 11, I've learnt the secret of contentment. Contentment is the Christian word for secular acceptance, okay? Paul has learnt acceptance whatever situation he's found himself in, whether rich or poor, 
in prison or free, he can do all things through Christ. What? With contentment through him who strengthens him. So for us as Christians, we surrender all the difficulties and challenges that we have in our life, whether it be with our parents, whether it be with our siblings, whether it be with our boyfriend or girlfriend or ex, whether it be being single, whether it be being married and wanting to be single, whether it be not getting a pet dog that you've always wanted. We surrender that to Jesus and we still continue to commit to our values. And this is quite important that we understand this as a child of God. We often get confused between feelings and faith. Uncomfortable feelings is not a barometer of our faith in God. It's our commitment to our values and trusting in Him and surrendering difficult things in our life to Him. Now, the second component, a part of considering whether you hyper-focus or try to push away or you learn acceptance, this affects the way we process life, the amount of mental, emotional suffering that we have. Is everyone staying with me here or is what I'm saying not making sense? Is it resonating? Yes? All right, can I just take a mini survey if you're willing to be vulnerable? I suspect the ones that like more experiential avoidance may not put their hand up. But uh, put your hand up if you tend to be more the first type who tends to hyper-focus when problems happen. You I want to think about it. It's consuming me. Who's like that? Okay, we'll go ahead. Who's the other type who just goes, I don't want to deal with it. Just not your problem, not mine. Okay, so we have a few avoiding dismissives here. And who naturally does more the acceptance? Okay, so we're a few do acceptance. Okay, so sometimes we do combination of all three. And it's to allow room for that. Part of acceptance is firstly accepting that I do this, or I do this, so I can get to this. Okay? We're not leaving it on our lap. We're leaving it at the foot of the cross. And then we hear the words of Jesus together. It is finished. Jesus tells us what it means to be close family with him, doesn't he? Mark 3, 31 to 35, the passage that was read. Jesus' mother, brother and sisters, or half-brother and sisters, came to take charge of him. Who knows the reason why? Because they thought Jesus was a bit... <laughs> they thought he was a bit cray-cray, yeah? But then Jesus actually goes on to explain, even in that hurtful situation, you know, if my mom was still alive today, God bless her, and she walked in right now and said... Um, <coughs> Pastor Young, can you please get James off the stage because he's a bit, <coughs> and he needs, to, you know, to be taken by the nurses and doctors to to the mental hospital. I'd be quite hurt. How much more so with Jesus? And yet he responds by saying, "Hey, who's my mother, my brother, my sister? Who is my closest family?" And then he says, "Whoever does God's will is my mother, my brother, my sister." So, what is God's will? Firstly. To seek forgiveness. In the chapter earlier, he says to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. Secondly, Matthew 18, we're told it's about forgiving one another. Firstly, doing God's will is to be forgiven by him, by trusting Jesus can forgive us. and has forgiven us because he died on the cross for our sins and came back to life. Secondly, live the forgiven life. God, you can forgive me, but I'll never forgive you. No, God's will is that you learn to forgive just as God has first forgiven you. And thirdly, grow the family business. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's what our family core is about as children of God. We are in relationship with each other. 
You know what the most beautiful thing about church is? We're really difficult people. And we can only love each other because of grace. Yeah, but that person was so mean to me at church. They don't deserve my love. And I'm like, but that's the point. That's what grace is. It's undeserved love. It's undeserved kindness. This is the best place to learn how to experience grace. Isn't it? If you feel wronged, if you feel hurt, this is our dojo. This is where we spar for black belt grace. Amen. Okay? This is our family core business. The other thing we need to be mindful of is that Jesus, in doing so, by saying, who's my real family, not just my biological family, he's saying, who is my spiritual, eternal family? Who has the real DNA like me? He differentiates. And this is an important thing for all of us to do as part of our mental health journey, being children of God. Sometimes we might say, I feel that God is very distant at the moment. But what does that really mean? And the truth is, often we project onto God and extrapolate a relationship with our Heavenly Father based on our earthly father. So if we feel distant from our earthly father, we go, therefore God's the same. God must be distant as well. That's why it's important to go, God the Father is not my earthly father or my primary caregiver. And research has shown that we often project our primary care relationships and attachments onto God. But research has also shown that when we differentiate and say you know my relationship with my heavenly father is secure that can also change the way i relate with people around me to grow to be more secure so this is what i want to encourage you guys to think about when you're thinking about god as your father how much of that is actually your earthly parents and how much of it actually is the god of the bible think of jesus in luke chapter 2 verse 41 onwards when he is 12 years old, the age when a Jewish boy becomes a man to take responsibility for their choices. And Jesus' mother and father said, where did you go, Jesus? Chocolate, chocolate, you disappeared on me. How dare you? We lost the son of God. You've gone. Why? How can we do this? We're very anxious. And Jesus said, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He said, you're my earthly parents, but my real father is in heaven. I'm going to spend time with him, okay? But I know Korean parental expectations are very strong. Why? Because I'm married to one. Uh, my wife's Korean. So just witnessing my in-laws, I'm like, you guys have grown up in a pretty tough background, you know? <laughs> it's, it's very, very strong, very, very closed, very, very strict, very, very punitive, very, very, you better study hard and no, don't tell me, no, shame, no, no, don't, just keep working. And it's like there's no room to breathe. There's no room for grace. There's no room for consistency necessarily. Emotional presence and safety. And this is why it's important. I want to encourage us, this is the final point now, is mental health tools to help us to live as emotionally self-regulated children of God. So I want to do one quick exercise because I can see a number of us. 
and I'm noticing the eyes are com- and the head are coming down, not because you're being respectful, but you're all falling asleep, and that's okay. That just tells me that there's less, less oxygen in your brain. Um, and we're going to do a quick exercise that I do. All right, so I'm going to make it very stressful for you all now. I'm going to do countdown breathing. I'm going to count down from 130 down to zero. I'm going to count down by 13. Now, the purpose of this is to, number one, get more oxygen to your brain. So I'm going to say 130, and then I'm going to ask you all to breathe in through the nose for four seconds. Then hold for two seconds, and then exhale through the mouth for four seconds. Then I want you to count 13 down from that, which is 117. 117, then breathe in for four. Hold for two, and then exhale for four. And then what's after 117? 104. Again, then it's 104, and then we breathe in for four. Hold for two, exhale for four. Now, we're going to do this in a minute, but I'm explaining to you what we're going to be doing. The reason why we're doing this, number one, get more oxygen to the brain. Number two, by counting the number, hopefully 13 times tables difficult enough for you to put stress on your brain to focus just on that number to actually remove intrusive thoughts so it's really important you stay with the number so it helps bring you more into the present that helps us with acceptance and then finally what happens is with deep breathing we lower our cortisol levels when we feel more anxious our cortisol levels go up what that does is it uh, decreases the production of dopamine and serotonin, our motivation and happy hormones inside. So by the end of this, hopefully you'll feel more calm, more present, and not asleep and awake, okay? So what I'd like you to do is make yourself comfortable. Close your eyes, both feet on the ground so you can be grounded. I encourage everyone to close their eyes right now. And if you're on Zoom or Facebook Live, I encourage you to close your eyes as well. And when I say 130, I want you all to breathe in for four seconds, hold for two, the next hour for four, okay? I'll do it, and then you can check if I'm doing my mass times tables correctly. <coughs> okay, ready? Here we go. 130, breathe in. Hold for two, next hour for four. 117. Hundred and four. Ninety one. Seventy eight. Sixty-five, fifty-two, thirty-nine. Twenty-six, 
terrain zero last one breathing for four Okay, how was that for you? Oh, some people are so relaxed they're actually sleeping now, okay? So that's one exercise that you can do. If you're ever feeling stressed, I encourage you to do it. Um, if you're very tired, also do that as well, to ground yourself in the present and even before doing a quiet time. And to remember you're present with the Lord. Often when we do our quiet times, it's really loud mo moments in our brain because we're thinking about other things. But the deep breathing exercise says, hang on, the Lord's here with me right now. I'm okay. And there's one um, <coughs> definition that I give my clients often, those who experience anxiety, and that is anxiety is excitement without support. As a Christian, we experience support in three ways. Firstly, we experience support from God. God is with us. Secondly, we experience support from safe people, safe people around us. And thirdly, we learn to support ourselves. And part of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is the fruit of self-control. Self-control, self-reflection, self-emotional self-regulation. This is growing in the Spirit. Now one quick naughty acronym I will give you all for safety, for safe support, and being a safe person is Crap Hat. Now, crap hat, C-R-A-P-H-A-T, is someone who is consistent, reliable, available, predictable. Crap. Consistent, <laughs> reliable, available, predictable, H-A-T, honest, and transparent. Let's all say it together. Consistent, reliable, available, predictable, honest, and transparent. Now ask yourself, which of these qualities do you have or are you lacking in? Are you a safe person? Which of your friends, are they crap hat friends? Are they consistent, reliable, available, predictable, honest, and transparent? And this is important for us to think through when you want support. And what we find is ultimately only Jesus, our rock and refuge, is fully consistent, reliable, available, predictable, honest, and transparent. Now, <coughs> other practical things I want to encourage you to do with your mental health or free therapy. As Presbyterians, we don't like to pay. <laughs> Journaling, free therapy. Write down your thoughts. God knows our thoughts, but we often don't know our thoughts. And sometimes writing it down, you go, oh, I didn't realize I was thinking that. It's only when my pen hit the paper. And I'm saying, please don't text. <laughs> There's something about handwriting that slows your thinking down to be more present. Journaling, diet, and exercise. The trifecta of free therapy, okay? These are things that you can do to help with your mental health. And also accountability with crap hat safety around you, okay? So having accountability with people that are non-judgmental, growing in God, 
uh, godliness, that's gonna, really going to be helpful for our lives. People that we can be honest and open with without fear of judgment. So in application for today, I want to encourage you, get support and one key way is to get counselling. And sometimes I think, you know, if you're privately struggling with mental health and you're struggling with AMP, the Asian Male Pride or Asian Female Pride, Australian Federal Police or, or AMP, <laughs> what, what, whatever is blocking you from getting support, be motivated by the fact that it requires humility and humility is mandatory for every believer. Here's a little quip I say to myself. Until I lose face, I cannot receive God's grace. Until I humble myself, can I be truly free? And God loves us so much. He knows we can't do life alone. We need one another. We need to take the risk and learn to trust. Okay? Proverbs 11.24 says, Without guidance, the people will fail. But with many counselors, there is deliverance. Proverbs 19 verse 20 says, Listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise later in life. And Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Two, uh, two final things I want to encourage you with is memorize scripture. Often my thoughts go rogue. It's like, it just goes all over the place and my different thoughts are connected to different emotions and then my CPU and my brain just goes and falls apart but if I need to memorize scripture that distracts me sufficiently because I'm spending all my Asian mental load just trying to learn the Bible passage that actually calms me down in of itself but key passages like Psalm 34 verse 18 are really helpful to remind yourself the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34 verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 1 to 2, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is a new creation, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. I need to keep reminding myself, I'm not old creation, I'm new creation. I'm not old mental health, I'm new mental health. I'm not going to be self-reliant. I'm going to get safe support. I'm different now. I'm a revolutionary. I'm not a dog. I'm a meow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Different creation. And finally, I want to encourage you, rem remember and remind each other of spiritual truths. J.I. Packer in Knowing God, when he came to helping us to embrace our identity and destiny, he would say, memorize these six things every day. Okay. This acronym doesn't even make sense, but this is how I do it. But you don't have to do it. It's I-G-H-E-M-E. Agemi. Okay? I, I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My savior is my brother. Every Christian is my brother or sister. Again, I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. 
Every day is one day nearer. My saviour is my brother. Every Christian is my brother or sister. Now, if you didn't manage to write all that down, just go to Google, type in I'm a child of God, J.I. Packer, okay? And the six will pop up on one of the websites. J.I. Packer said, we should take these truths, say it over and over to yourself, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, as you wait for the bus, anytime your mind is free, and ask that we may be enabled to live as one who knows it as all utterly and completely true. I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My saviour is my brother. Every Christian is my brother and sister as well. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you truly are our father and we are born of you we are your children we ask you lord to transform and renew our mind to heal our broken hearts that you would be near to us that we would learn to trust again to seek support to grow in healing in our memories in our present to face the future with you lord in jesus mighty name amen